Another episode of Return of the Roar with myself, Brendan Nunez, and Destroyer of Pizza, King's Cowboy. Wow. Frankie Cardicelli. Wow. That's uh that's What's quite up? that's quite the uh yeah, that's real nice. Off off recording, Brendan was like, Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, do my, my first little intro on the pod. And <laughs> that's that's a great that's that's really you really are gonna fit in, man. That's really nice. Thank you for the uh warm welcome. But if anyone didn't really notice, yeah, that is Brendan Nunez now who's sliding on over because uh, there's been some reshuffling going on. Chris Watkins, our buddy, he's still a part of the show. He's still a part of the program. But Chris Watkins is now a headliner here at Sackdown Sports 1140. He has a 10 to 2 show. He is uh, in the process of getting a co-host. I think that's going to be coming up in the next week or two, a couple weeks here. But we'll be doing one or two episodes a week. At least it'll be Brendan Nunez and I. And then Chris Watkins will join us later in the week. But for now... You get, I guess, Pizza Destroyer and the newest member of Sacktown Sports 1140, <laughs> my uh, my cohort, Brennan Nunez. How you feeling, yeah. man? How you feeling being a part of the 1140 family and uh, sliding on in over to the return of the roar? How's that feel, man? I'm feeling good, man. I think I'm also just as guilty as you, by the way, for destroying a pizza. Um, just to put that out there. Yeah. No, how come no one focuses on the fact <laughs> that you had a slice of that, too? I don't know. I don't know. On but, media day, you know, for those who don't know, on media on media day, there was a big giant box of pizza that they gave to like the Kings players. And I think Katie Christensen got a box because she participated in a game. I came over at the beginning of media day, was offered pizza, said no. Fast forward three hours, media day's over, everyone's leaving. I have a, I have a slice of pizza. No one's there. Brendan Nunez, slice of pizza. Mm-hmm. Everyone's gone. Uh, except our our buddy Christopher Lodd is is producing Chris and Chris and Whitey Gleason, they have a show going on the end of their show and they see me take another slice, a second one. And now I'm, I'm the pizza burglar or something because I took advantage of two pieces of pizza that were on a box. I was vacant. I don't, I, I saw I, you, you participated though, too. I had one. To and fair. Jason Anderson from the Sacramento Bee also had a slice. He did, which, which I offered to him. And also I've been, uh, I've been labeled. Yeah. What? It's a controversial topic. Well, I've been labeled as the pizza guy now by Carmichael Dave. And it's like, there's all these different things being thrown at me. Why why can't you have a nickname? Do you have a nickname? It'll happen eventually. I got told that Verlod comes up with nicknames for everybody, so it's only a matter of time for myself. You can't tell me you don't you can't tell what you don't like. Like if you don't like something, mm. you just can't say it. Good to know. Good to know. Things came into mind, but I'm gonna keep those to myself and follow your advice. Yeah, man. You're you're not safe here either. Yeah. You're not safe here either. So Frankie. Frank, Frankie, Franklin. Preference? You know, on our on our outdated uh, graphic here on the YouTube feed, uh, it does say Frankie, and you say Chris Watkins, host of Kings Weekly. So I guess we'll I'll call you Chris. You can call me Frankie. Sure, sure, we'll go with that. Cool. Kings are zero and three in preseason. Take that for what you will. I think last year they were four and zero in the preseason and the, and the year and before lost their first four and the year before. That's right. You said that yesterday. Combined eight and zero after last preseason. What are, you know, I'll throw it to you pretty vague to start, but what are your general takeaways from the training camp practices leading up in these first three preseason games? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I and I, I think you can look at it however you want. Personally, I wins and losses in preseason don't mean anything to me. I'm, I'm sure you feel the same. I think we've talked about that. I mean, it's more about what you're seeing on the floor from these guys. And just for starters in practice and camp, I mean, there was a very, very – intense practice the other day that I, I mean, we've been covering the team for a while, a couple, like almost a couple of years now on your part too. But you know, with Mike Brown, it's been the second year we've seen probably a hundred practices, a hundred shoot arounds, whatever you want to call them. 
Mike Brown has never been quite amped up as he was the other day. And uh, it was a very high energy practice. It was intense. And I think when you see kind of the disarray of how the offense has kind of been at the beginning of his camp, while it's not really a concern in my opinion, because these starters and core rotation players are playing like 20 minutes a game. Uh, It's not the offense that you saw last year, the high powered uh, impressive offense, but last night, Sacramento and Golden State, Kings look great in the opening half. And um, I think that was kind of like back to what we saw last year. They hit eight threes in the first quarter. Um, obviously, they fall off after that. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, I'm kind of looking to see how guys adjust and, and um, I think reading and reacting to different situations and, and scenarios. Obviously, there's some rotation juggle juggling that we're going to be talking about a lot, I think, and watching closely. But I'm just watching the main guys, seeing how De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis have handled it. Um, Sabonis looking good last night, obviously. And then you kind of move on to what does the rotation look like in the bench right now? There's some interesting questions about that. But uh, what are you looking for, Brendan? I mean, are you, do you have similar things you're looking for? Or do you kind of have you, – you're an X's and O's guy, so do you kind of dive deeper into that end of things? Um, not too much. Trying to look for the new wrinkles that Coach says he's adding to the offense specifically. Um, I do want to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned a spirited practice. Yes. And I don't think this has very much been documented. Uh, yeah. So I did not catch the very beginning of this, mm-hmm. but you did along I with did. a couple other people. Um, but Mike Brown was very vocal at a practice. If you'd like to clarify a little bit for our listeners. Yeah, um, we got let into practice, and from what I have come to understand, it was just a, a matter of they were scrimmaging, and it was a when should the media be let in? And I said, like, let him in. And I don't know if it was a let. We don't know if it was let him in because he was frustrated and wanted to, you know, make a, you know, make an example out of some something that was going on. But uh, we come in and they're going after it. And you did come in to see the end of the scrimmages. They were, you know, playing hard scrimmaging. But um, Mike really got into, you know, I. I don't, I had the video of it and a couple others had the video of it too. Mike really laid into a couple of players. I don't, I don't want to name the players who he was laying into, but he was at like an, a level I've never really seen before. And I think that people kind of maybe misconstrue how Mike Brown coaches and how he is. He's just a nice, happy guy. He's like jolly. He's like a, like an old St. Nick, Santa Claus of the NBA. He's always happy, you know, but in this case, he like, you know, there was smoke coming out of his ears. He was, I've never seen him that angry before. Um, and there is video out there. I, I do think that, that one of the media members did put a video out there. Um, I'm not going to name who, but okay, okay. It, I'll tell you later. I just don't want to bring attention really to it. Yeah. You know, with, with what's going on in the MLB, I'm not sure if you've been following what's going on in Major League Baseball with um, the, that member of the media who, I think it was Jake Fitz is his name. Uh, but it was Atlanta and Philadelphia in the playoffs and Bryce Harper, Brendan, you're not really a baseball guy, but you know, you know who Bryce Harper is. I know who Bryce Harper is at least. He got, he got, there was a great play at the wall in the ninth inning and they're in Atlanta. Braves doubled off Bryce Harper because he was going to second. He thought it was a home run from Nick Castellanos gets doubled off because he, you know, ran second base, whatever they lose the game. And in the locker room, one of the players in the Braves was heard. In an open locker room with the members of the media in the locker room said, at a boy Harper. So then media was like saying, wow, they're in the they're in the Braves in the locker room, you know, hooting and hollering saying at a boy Harper. And Bryce Harper and the Phillies took note of that. Bryce Harper hits two home runs in the next game. And as he's rounding second base, 
the player who said Orlando Arcia is at shortstop. Bryce Harper's just staring at him every time. He's rounding second base, just looking at him. <laughs> so with all that that's been going on, there's been all these topics about media and and sharing things that are like meant for intimate spaces and whatnot. This was something that I, when I had video of it, and others that I've talked to that that were with me had video as well, kind of were like, you know, this seems like something that I, I probably won't share just because it was so like intense, but we will talk about it. But yeah. I think it was a very fiery moment and it's out there. I mean, it is, it is out there, but it just goes to show that Mike Brown has that has that in him like he has that side in him and i feel like that's a side that we don't really see very often and it was also a story about last year with uh the minnesota game i think or not minnesota the the knicks game on tnt mm-hmm. where the kings were getting just killed on the boards and and i think they gave up like 17 rebounds to josh hart i think and like eight of them or nine were offensive and they won the game on tnt but mike brown came in the locker room and was like what the hell like are you guys cel- what are you celebrating that was like horrible it was a horrible game um it was like to that extent, but it is kind of interesting that the vibes are a little different because this team's expected to be, I don't want to say great, but they're expected to be, they're expected to be a really good team. There's a lot of different expectations coming to this year. They're not the cute little engine that could, the team that has been losers for nearly 20 years. They are expected to be a, a winning team in a very tough Western Conference, and that that is something that I uh, have noticed so far. Yeah, there's definitely some pressure on this year. And I, I think kind of the moment that you witnessed is an example of coach holding people accountable, which is something he gets a lot of credit for. And you have to have the right players that react appropriately or well to that sort of coaching. And I think he obviously does. It. I don't think that that's like a new thing for Mike. It was just kind of you guys getting a peek at it a little bit would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing that's getting emphasized going into this year that I feel like we've heard more than anything is physicality, right? Like, is there anything else we've heard more often than the word physicality? He just keeps talking about, we want to be more physical on both ends of the floor, but specifically talking about defense and finding ways to do that without fouling. Mm -hmm. Now through these first three preseason games, I don't know that they've exactly done it without fouling specifically yesterday against golden state. The Warriors shot 42 free throws, 17 of those. (laughs) 42 is a very laughable number. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Kaminga, man. Kam- Jonathan Kaminga had as many free throw attempts as the Kings did last night as a whole team. The guy was getting, <laughs> it was like LeBron James out there. Like he was just attacking. Toronto had 32 in their first game and the Lakers had 22. Not bad. In the second game. What do you make of like, just betting on physicality as the main way that this team gets better defensively or, or how much do you also think new guys like Duarte and McGee can, can play a part in that? I mean, I feel like that's definitely what this coaching staff is hoping for. And again, because they keep using that word and then I've never used the word physicality or, or heard it as much in my life. It's ridiculous. Since at the beginning of like the playoffs, like the playoffs is when I like really started because they were getting just completely dominated by, you know, Kevon Looney and even like Draymond Green, they had guys that are physical and they're not afraid to throw their bodies around. And I feel like that's what we're kind of seeing. And, and I don't know if there's a transition to this topic or not, but I think that's why we're seeing Chris Duarte being placed in the starting lineup. And Mike Brown, who said just a week and a half ago, I, I'm not going to change with this, the starting five, but we're seeing these moves made because Chris Duarte is a player who has, you know, a little more meat on his bones, six foot six. You know, he's, he's a little longer of a defender. 
can he get something from these players that can bring more of, again, the word physicality, a physical presence, and defend against some of these players and, again, play defense without fouling, which is a very hard thing to do. And it's also an interesting conversation because players like Chris Duarte, I mean, even JaVale McGee, who is has been a good shot blocker in his career, but I don't know if we can sit here and say Chris Duarte and JaVale McGee are going to be the, the players that turn the Kings' defensive woes around. Probably not. I just don't know if that's really going to happen. But the point, the, the fact is that they have to try something because they did bring back a lot of guys that were here last year and they were a bottom tier defensive team near dead last and blocks per game. I'm not sure they weren't steals probably I'd imagine the twenties and then of course, 25th in defensive rating. So um, it looks to me like there's they're they're using the new guys that they got Sasha Vizenkov aside, because I think we, we saw last night that the defense is not going to be a, 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 a sparkling spot on his, you know, report yeah. card. He got blown by a couple times there on the, yeah, that was we yeah, looked at each other on one. Yeah, yeah, that's going to happen a little bit. And specifically, like giving up middle is something that coach really does not want to see from anybody. And I think that goes back to the Herder conversation a little bit. Like Herder is not a, far from a great defender defensively, you know, has his struggles. I, I think the physicality that coach is talking about applies to everybody on the team, but I I think that Herder could definitely benefit from being more physical, being there to get boards when he needs to, or take charges. Like, can you ever think of a moment that Kevin Herder took a charge? No. And I honestly, until you literally just said that, I'm not sure. Did he take, did he, how many did he take last year? Is there a way Maybe we can see you, that? Yeah. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it's not Davion Mitchell. esque. No. It's not quite the Davion Mitchell's level. No. Um, but he does, I do want to preface, he does a lot of really good things for this team offensively. You know, there's, he was a big part of Sacramento's best lineup last year. Their starting five, they were rolling with all the time that you said Coach Brown said is probably not going to change. And he said, you know, he's always willing to try different things out. He's never scared to do that, but he doesn't think the starting five is going to change. And Herder is really important with the pace that he brings and the spacing that he brings, even mm-hmm. when the shot's not going down and he can be streaky at times. Like I think all guys that are just primarily shooters, um, he still has like the defensive respect and gets some up, applies some sort of spacing for De'Aaron and Domas. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, Duarte has really impressed me defensively. And I kind of thought that might be the case coming in, but he's also knocking down his shots. He pointed out that since that preseason game, it had been 200 something days since he had played a basketball game. I early, see early March, I think of last season, March 25th, he played five minutes, but prior to that, it was March 13th and previously that he was actually playing. What was the injury again? Minutes. What, what was the injury again? It was we... some ankle. Um, it, it was wasn't some me, ankle right? Injury. No, it was not the same knee thing that happened yesterday. It which was good, an ankle thing. He which came good back news, from too early. Which good news, by the way, for those that didn't. I mean, I'm sure they'd known out. It's not Chris Duarte who exited last night's game. Is It's MRI came back clean, bone bruised. But I was wondering if that was a correlation, but I guess not. Yeah. Yeah, left knee. Um, I'm sure it, I'd imagine it's pretty precautionary just because it's preseason. You know, I was trying to I really spent a while trying to find the play. 
and I couldn't, but he was out there for a little while kind of holding his knee or just rubbing it a little bit. So like, I think it happened a little while before it wasn't something that like happened and he instantly needed to be taken. Probably a bump. I I would guess. And if you didn't find the play, I mean, this is speculative because I didn't see it either, but, and no one really addressed it. I I would imagine if it was a, a bone bruise, a small bone bruise, as Mike put it, probably bang knees somebody which we see a lot so. we see a yeah. lot i mean i think we saw a very scary one with demonis sabonis a couple of years ago he really banged knees with uh i can't remember who it was it was on the suns i think it was it was suns i think it was uh i can't remember who it was was it i think it might have been Aiden, but he really hurt his knee bad and uh missed, rest of missed the last like eight one. nine games very scary the quietest i've ever heard golden one center you can hear a pin drop yeah that was right after fox uh got hurt as well i think brock fox broke his hand against Milwaukee and then never even addressed that I don't know if you remember that but do you remember when Fox literally had his hand broken wow. yeah yeah and we were like that's weird like Fox isn't they didn't really say anything and then on media the end of year media press or Fox like was talking with his hands and his like fingers like on the back were just completely blue like this that's whole area right. was just blue and yeah, we're like yeah. oh that's broken but um no I think Duarte's defense has been impressed like it's definitely been a surprise to me because when he and I hadn't watched a lot of Chris Duarte, like I saw him in college at Oregon. I, that's where I saw more of him really than Indiana. And I think it was set up more to me than anything is the fact that on a team like the Kings, where they like having interchangeability, where Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray, and I think I think Mike even said this himself that like um, he doesn't really focus more on like positions, position versus positions. Because if if you have uh, you know you can have a guard like Kevin guard like maybe an undersized forward like it, it just depends on matchups and, and, and whatnot and Duarte is a guy who's 6'6 probably has like a 6'8 6'9 wingspan or maybe longer I'd imagine and if they can get something out of him like they are right now physicality uh in the shot making last night I mean he took one three I mean the shots look fine from what we've seen so far he has looked like he fits in the offense is he is as seamless as a fit as Kevin Herter like where he can come off dribble handoffs and be um you know lethal from beyond the arc consistently We'll see. I mean, he was a pretty good three-point shooter in his first year in the NBA, and last year was hampered by injuries. But uh, it does seem like the most important thing is Mike Brown and the coaching staff are intrigued by him. And because of that, for the first time in over a year, in kind of unfamiliar territory for this Kings team, we're seeing a shakeup to a guy that has, has been a very core part of what has been working for this team. And in the locker room last night, it, it, it did seem like Kevin Herter was, you know, I don't want to say he was completely furious, you know, throwing chairs or angry, but he, he didn't, he was very, uh, you know, kind unemotionless. Of, yeah. Almost like standoffish, right? Just very short answers. And I didn't make anything of this starting lineup change. Like I just thought, you know, they want to get him a Duarte more reps alongside Sabonis and and with the rest of the starters you know they're probably testing like maybe who do I want first off the bench that can run with these other starters and until we got to post game with Kevin in the locker room once we got there I was like okay I don't know this is a little weird because you know asked him a little bit like what was it like coming off the bench and he's like you know it's it's different I've come off the bench more or started more than I've come off the bench throughout the course of my year or my career. And so it just takes a sec to get a rhythm. And I don't know. He was just very short. And at one point mm-hmm. I asked, how do you think Chris did with that starting group? And he said, he played hard. Yeah, played hard. And that was his entire answer. You know, it was just a little weird. And 
when he got asked of, you know, what was the communication like with coach Brown throughout the process? Um, is this just a short-term thing or what? He was like, uh, you know, that's a good question. He kind of told me this is just uh, that he's going to start with the group for the week. And that's all Kevin really said that he's heard. Yeah. And like, you know, to his credit, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's a very tough spot to be. I mean, Kevin Herter as a professional, uh, two, uh, 349 games he has played. He has started in nearly 300 of them. And that includes wow. 70, 75 or 75 with the Kings. And he's coming off a year again, granted, he had the best offensive season of his career last year, career highs across the board uh, as far as shooting goes. And I think, I think that's kind of a tough spot to be in. But that kind of shows you what was the problem the Kings had last year. They were a great offensive team. The greatest offensive rating in the history of the NBA. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, unarguably the best offense in the NBA last year. And it ended up kind of not mattering in the end. What mattered? But not mattering when they needed it most because they couldn't get stops. They just could not string together stops and they really needed them. And that kind of just proves where in a lineup on the Kings, that, in my opinion, is so good. And I feel like a very strong lineup someone's going to have to be, you know, we talked about it yesterday, I think too, either it's going to be Kevin Herter or Harrison Barnes, because you're not going to move Fox out of the lineup, right? You're not going to move Sabonis out of the lineup. And now Keegan Murray, who has looked good when we've seen him. And even last night too, look, I think he looked very good. He's not coming out of the starting lineup. So who are the, who are the guys that, you know, are most likely to be moved? It's, it's, it's Kevin Herter or Harrison Barnes. And yeah. I think it's important not to be lost in the shuffle that, Mike Brown has said again and again, he doesn't understand why people like, or the media or us like read into who starts so much. Cause he's like, it dem- all it matters is who finishes the game. Like, right. I, I, it doesn't really matter. Cause Casey got Paul started the season last year. Everybody as the starting, what small power four, whatever you want to label it. But um, it just, to me kind of shows number one, that, they are getting to a point where they think that maybe it's time to shake things up a little bit, but at the same time, I would not be surprised at all. And I expect that Kevin Herter opens the year as a starter. And do you feel the same way? I definitely do. I like, again, I was really surprised by the conversation or the interview with Kevin, because I thought it was going to be pretty routine of, you know, I, they're just, you know, getting Chris an opportunity with some of the starting guys um, I, I thought he'd, you know, maybe say that he's liked what he's seen from Chris and stuff. So the reaction definitely stood out to me, but I, I think the same, like, I, I think Herter's going to be starting. I don't think that the logic behind this was like, oh, well, maybe we can see a different starting lineup. Like you could be playing with what your potential closing group would, could be to your point, you know, like you don't really have a, you don't have a stopper in that group. If you go Fox, Duarte, Barnes, Murray, Sabonis. You don't have a stopper, but you don't exactly have a liability either, like Herder or Monk usually are, to be blunt. Um, so, you know, I, I do still expect Kevin to be there. I think he's an important part of this team. It might be worth notice uh, noting that he was wearing a New York Giants three-quarter zip, and they kind of just lost on some... BS, no Stop. call. Yeah, and then you guys out me in you out me in the locker room in a very tense situation about who, I think it was James. Like, who's your football team? I was like, um, I didn't know you were a Bills fan. I'm a Bills fan. Yeah, like I I I grew up just not watching football really. Like I I just didn't really want to. My dad was a Cowboys fan. I thought that was insufferable, and I'd never wanted to be a Cowboys fan. And uh, I was a basketball baseball guy growing up. And then uh, 
gotten a football after the fantasy and everything. And this last year, and you guys can out there are probably just being like, oh my God, this guy. It's like, yeah, I just, I like Josh Allen a lot. I like Stefan Diggs. I'm a, I am a New York Yankees fan, a New York Rangers fan. I didn't want to be a Giants, New York Giants fan. I sorry. I just don't, I just doesn't do it. Doesn't do it <laughs> for, for your me. own well-being. Well, well-being. I like the bills. I, just, I like the bills. Like, and I'm, I'm sure. trying. Yeah. I try. I, to those out there that are local and you are a Niners fan. I tried being a Niners fan like three years ago. And I, I just don't like red, man. I don't like red. Really? Like there's red in the bills color scheme. I get it, but it's more blue dominant. I don't like red. It's just our station's you, logo. It's no big deal. It didn't used to be. It didn't <laughs> used to be. It used to be purple. And uh, I don't really like purple either. But wow. Haven't you ever noticed the colors I wear all the time? Black, gray, blue. Now that you say that, maybe. Yeah. What, well, you are, you're kind of the same way. No, yeah. you go you go a little deeper, don't you? Though know, You go a little. Sometimes. Sometimes. More color scheme. Yeah. I mean, our, I'm very simple with fashion. I don't have any sense of fashion. I I just don't. But I um. Yeah, I in the locker room last night it was funny. How like Kevin's obviously we are about to have our session and he definitely is tense. And then the Giants have a horrible loss. And who do you like again, Frank? I like the Bills. Like, we, don't, oh. we, we don't we don't have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. It was honestly. I I don't want to make it put out there and be like, oh, this was a huge. No, he he, he was. It was little, just kind of weird. He was a little. I think he was a little upset. I think it's fair to be upset. I mean, think about it. Like you have a job, and if you got told, hey. Maybe just for this couple of days, like, why don't you take a step back on this other guy? Kind of do your job for you, and kind of be like, oh, um, okay, like, why, 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 what's the reason why? So I, I think it's kind of like just a little uncertainty, and um, you know, I think it was I can't remember who asked last night. Maybe if, if this is a way to motivate him, but I think this should be a little bit of motivation. And they need more defense out of Kevin. They need more physicality out of Kevin. That's just the truth. Kings need more out of everybody on the defensive end, really. But um. Kevin was the guy that was his stuff, his uh, playing time, his minutes suffered because he, he wasn't able to keep guys in front of him in the playoffs. And same thing on the other end with Davion Mitchell, who is a completely different conversation, but his offense was a problem. So as great as guys are on one end of the floor, I mean, in a playoff situation or in a must situation, you need, you need both. You need guys that can play on both ends of the floor and you can't hide people. So that's kind of where we are right now with Kevin Herter. It's, He'll probably open the year as a starter. I, I I expect him to be the starter on opening night and for the beginning of the season. But if we get to, I don't know, December, January, or maybe even a little earlier, and the Kings are struggling and the defense is still bad, it would not surprise me at all to see a shakeup. I could maybe see it eventually. I think it's too early to tell, and I don't think that Duarte starting is necessarily a, a sign of that or anything like that. Um, I do think that Coach Brown would get like, three spots worse offensively to get five better defensively, you know, for what it's worth. And, you know, maybe Duarte could eventually be a part of that, but I think that would definitely take time. I still think it's Herder's spot. And the other guy that we got to talk to in the locker room last night was Colby Jones. And we've been seeing Colby Jones and Keon Ellis kind of share third string point guard responsibilities, more so Keon. But they're the third string backcourt. And Kobe actually got some run with some of the regulars in the rotation last mm-hmm. night. What have you seen from from the highest pick rookie that they brought in this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like 
in summer league, we liked what we saw a lot too, but the fact that he's been able to translate it to again, preseason exhibition games, but just the fact that he can do so many things and how comfortable he looks. I think last night in the locker room. And again, for those of you that want to see those interviews, go to Sackdown sports 1140 YouTube. There's Colby Jones, Kevin Herter post game audio from last night, but uh, Colby definitely is a guy that I think can handle the basketball. Definitely a guy that has the potential to be a three point threat. The free throws are an issue. That's, that's still something that, is puzzling to me. I think he was in the sixties in college and I think he missed a couple the other night in Anaheim. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think when you look at guys that can bring a two-way presence to this team, he's kind of, to me, someone that what we were hoping kind of Kessler Edwards could be last year at the end of the year. Oh, a guy that can come out and, and, you know, he knocked down a couple threes one game and was playing very good on ball defense and um, very active on that end. That's kind of what Colby Jones could be. And I was telling you last night, I don't think it would surprise me at all if we were to kind of like peek into the future in February, March, and we see Colby Jones getting nine, 10, maybe even a couple more minutes a game off of that, off the bench because of what he can bring and be a two-way player. And that's kind of what we were talking about when he got drafted, that Colby Jones can be a two-way player. I think Josh Hart is like the most popular comp. I think he might've even said that he likes Josh Hart's game because he's a, a guard that can rebound and, and is, is athletic, sneaky athletic, but that's kind of the guy that Kings need. And can he develop quick enough to be someone that can help this year? I don't know, but it, but what we saw last night, I think is a good step forward as far as just seeing what he can bring to the table. Yeah. Like Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo. And I liked Dante, I think more than most people for what it's King's worth, le- but King's legend King's absolute legend. But I do agree. Like we, you know, kind of mentioned when we were, talking about different things yesterday that, you know, you could see a Terrence Davis sort of role for Colby Jones and not role when it comes to on court role, but just minutes wise. Mm -hmm. I I think that you could eventually see that down the line. It's really hard for him to break through really when there's Herder Monk Duarte that we've all talked about, like Keon Ellis is still there um, with the two way that we're going to get to as well. Um, So there's a handful of guys that he's really going to be competing with that might make it an uphill battle, but he talked about yesterday how he thinks the read and react offense is actually a little bit easier for him to learn than maybe something that was a more structured and black and white run this play. And you got to learn all the different variances to it and things like that. So I think he's an extremely smart player on both ends of the floor. We've seen him do decent, making an impact defensively and then offensively, like not the ball's not really sticking too much. Coach talked about how they're kind of been guilty of over dribbling a lot throughout the course of this preseason. I don't think Colby has really been one of those guys or, or Sasha really for what it's worth, but definitely not Kobe. I think his touch has been pretty solid and there could be something there, you know, like you saw Denver last year, get Christian Braun and him make an impact. And yeah. he was a late first rounder. And I know Colby was an early second, but he was projected to be a late first or like yep. Julian Strother this year is getting talked about in the same light. And it's these older guys who come from very successful teams and played similar, similar roles on those teams that they're going to be asked to play in the NBA. And I think Colby fits that exact prototype. So again, I think it's an uphill battle, but I've been encouraged with what we've seen so far. And while you know, we could peek down the line and see him getting 10 minutes a night in Sacramento. There's a different world that we peek down and he's actually spending a decent amount of time with Stockton, you know, and yeah. I don't think either would be a bad thing. Necessarily. Which, which I think would be a good idea is, is, is if the Kings are healthy, you'd imagine he's not going to get that opportunity, you know, 
very soon. And while he's not on a two-way deal, I'm I'm not sure what the logistics are, but I think you can assign players to the G League for Yeah, Chima was last year, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure if and then Harry Giles a couple of years ago too, they put him down there to to get some consistent minutes, but I'm not sure if there's like a limit like there is for like days with like two-way players and stuff yeah. like that. I don't but, know off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But um no, I, I think Monty McNair, I mean, he does he does this. He drafts guys that are um, I mean, the Kings have a window right now. They have, I think, about to me, like a four or five year window. And when you draft guys like Davion Mitchell, you have Colby Jones. These are rookies or younger players that are kind of like older rookies or not coming in as 19 year olds. And they're, they're guys that are established. They're grown men. They are, you know, physical guys. They're built. Uh, they mesh, they mesh with this group. They mesh with this timeline. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, Demonis Sabonis, Kevin Herter. Um, these guys are all in their mid late twenties. Davion Mitchell, which I kind of forget sometimes. I think he's the same age as Fox or maybe a, a couple months younger. Yeah. Um, Colby Jones, same thing. You have guys that are mature and they can mesh with this group and these lineups. But it, it is interesting to see how it would work out. I think it'd take a couple injuries. And again, the Kings were so healthy last year. Probably the healthiest team in the league. I'm not sure what the numbers support that. It felt like Gotta they be. were. It felt like they were. But Colby Jones being a part of that depth, it speaks to how deep this team is because they, they do kind of watching me watching these preseason games makes me kind of think that they do have a bunch of guys like the Kings do have players that I feel would be strong rotation players on a lot of different teams. And Colby Jones is a guy that I think could pretty much fit anywhere. But the Kings need a guy like that and hope he can develop to be a Josh Hart type presence. So I'm, I'm kind of going off the tracks here, but I want to play fine. a game. I would love to play a game. So Let's roll with the initial five, like the expected five, right? Of Fox, Herter, Barnes, Murray, Sabonis. After that, what guys do you expect to see every single night? Well, I mean, uh, Davion Mitchell, for sure. Mm-hmm. Davion Mitchell, I'm going to go Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Trey Lyles. And then things get a little gray. Those are probably the only locks, right? Those are, those are like, so you're asking for the, the absolute locks. It's those right. three. Right. After that, it would not surprise me because Duarte could be a guy where. Oh, we didn't even mention Duarte. Actually, I think Duarte's a lock. He's leaning. I think he's a lock. Yeah, I think he is a lock more so than Sasha. Like, yeah, for, for now, sure. Which that's a whole different conversation. I'm not sure if that's what you're. It, it's you're just a team. Into. Well, I don't. Not necessarily, but I, I think that's a team construction team a thing, right? If it was a team that was good at defense, needed offense then they probably would prefer Sasha minutes over Duarte minutes. And not that those are directly competing necessarily, but with where Sacramento's at, like Sasha's got to see a little bit of progress there and he could be a staple as well. Um, But yeah, I was just curious because I agree with you. There's a lot of depth on this team, but there's going to be a, that means there's going to be a lot of guys that, you know, probably could be the end of somebody else's rotation that maybe won't be within Sacramento's nightly. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see like a by committee kind of situation. Like as far as last night, was a coincidence or not that JaVale McGee wasn't active? I mean, his hand is fine. Uh, Mike Brown said, yeah, if it was a regular, like a playoff game, he'd be playing. But the Warriors go small ball. So I would see in that situation, like that's probably what the like the situation would look like. If if the Warriors fully healthy, Kings are fully healthy, I don't think we'd see JaVale McGee. I think we would see Trey Lyles at small ball five because that's what they did in the playoffs and it, it did work out better than yeah. than before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, Sasha struggled on defense. Do you do you kind of go away from him in situ in, in lineups or matchups like that? 
it, it's tough to know. Uh, but I do think as far as locks go, yeah, I think those three, four, if you include Duarte, I think he is a lock. I think that he has been a guy. I mean, again, he's got moved in the starting lineup and he's someone who's been playing decent minutes. Um, does that surprise you at all? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering what you think as far as like, did you view Duarte as a guy before? I mean, cause again, you're a basketball, like junkies. Like did, did you watch him in Indiana and did you think, wow, like he really could be a guy that could fit you know, whether it's in Sacramento or during your Celtics days or time, <laughs> could he, did you just look at Duarte and say, wow, this, this guy can kind of do a couple of these different things that are really good. Or is this kind of like a, huh? Like the Kings are trying to find something with him here. Yeah. I wasn't all too familiar. Like his rookie year, obviously was really impressive. And I remember seeing some big breakout games, but you know, he's prone to being a little dribble happy. Like some of the over dribbling Mike is talking about, I think Duarte can be a little bit guilty of, and I don't think I understood the impact that he could have as a defender. And I know it's only preseason, but really the way that he fights around screens, the physicality that he plays with, like I think Clay Thompson was trying to post him up uh, closest to us yesterday. And he did a great job bumping and Clay eventually made this tough fadeaway. but like, he's extremely physical. He's long, he fights, he gives the effort and I think he's a good three point shooter. Yeah. You know, he that looks was, like he has been. That was his forte coming out of college. And like, I think again, his rookie year, just so I'm not, you know, assuming. I know it was 40% on catch and shoots his rookie year. Yeah. And I think he was in the near 40s. Yeah. 37% from three um, on 255 attempts. So this is a guy that definitely was letting it fly. And last year, obviously, he was hurt. He played half a season. He was 31%, was not fully you know, himself, but. No, yeah, I mean, if, if that's what they're trying to do, again, expanding his defensive ability and hoping you can get a similar – does he need to shoot 40% from three? Probably not because the Kings have so many shooters. But if he can bring something similar to that, like 37 36%, and be able to guard the twos and threes that the Kings are playing against every night, yeah, that's that's all you want to ask for. But I, I just was wondering if if that's something that you have – you know, was on your radar before because clearly it was on Monty McNair's. Yeah, no, it's definitely fairly new to me, I will admit. I uh, Yeah. A lot more comfortable with Western Conference teams and rosters than Eastern more often than not. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree, too. Naturally. I, I, I did not watch many Indiana Pacers games before the Sabonis trade. But obviously, right. as soon as that trade happened, I found myself on League Pass watching uh, a lot more of Buddy Heald and, Indiana pa- Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton's Indiana Pacers at the end of did, last year. Did you see Buddy's new number, by the way? Uh, it's, uh, is it six? Seven. It's seven. Which, is there a reason? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I saw an Instagram post that said year eight, number seven, or something like that. That doesn't make sense, buddy. Uh, you don't know, know. His contract's finally ending. Do you know that? I know. Yeah. I can't believe Is this that. year he finally becomes a Laker? So are we at the point now where he's going to come off of this really expensive contract and enter free agency and sign a minimum deal with the Lakers this upcoming no, or next summer? No, not a minimum. What, not what, a minimum. Does he really want to be a Laker that bad, though? Like, they Well, can't I was to just thinking – um that he'll get moved at the deadline right there's oh, no way indy just yeah. lets his contract run out well they're not going to be good this year right i mean they're not they could be, be okay. they could be decent but they're not they'll probably maybe dip their toes in buying and Play selling at the deadline yeah maybe i mean i could see that happening but yeah buddy he's destined to be a laker right i mean he he almost he is it's so funny how close Twice. that that trade was to happening i think i was pre-writing that already how um like uh, how Kyle Kuzma was going to fit with 
Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell were going to fit with the Kings. And Montrez Harrell, that's right. And wasn't it Kuzma that said on a podcast how he was like, oh yeah, that's like Sacramento near Napa, and like he was excited about it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go crazy out there. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go crazy. It's, ah. I don't know, man. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if that's really something that they need. Get, to give him credit, he's I think he's a, a, a fine player. I think Kyle Kuzma's a good player. The the player that Kings, I mean, a lot of Kings fans I saw, not everyone as a whole, were upset that the Kings didn't go after uh, in free agency this year. I was, you know, a little bit of that group. Not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, I guess we never really got any clarity if they even gave him an offer. I, don't, I didn't right. really see or hear anything. He did get a lot. Did. He oh. did get a lot of money. From, from Washington. Washington. So, yeah. Still not too crazy of a deal. I think it's like twenty million a year. Yeah, I think it was like twenty to twenty-five something in there. Um, which you know he can really score, and I think that he actually was pretty decent defensively in their finals run, for what it's worth, the Lakers finals run. So yeah. But back towards Sacramento, um, I, I do think that Sasha is going to get plenty of opportunity to prove himself. I just don't like, you know, if we were playing the game of who is locks. I don't feel necessarily comfortable saying Sasha or McGee for an every single night thing, but I think it's going to be more nights than not for both of those guys. Yeah. I'm, it just kind of comes back to, and I think last night, Chris Watkins, you and me were, I was asking you guys that like, he's got to be in the rotation, right? Because they went so hard after him. Literally Kings get eliminated in game seven. And it felt like we took a couple of days off to kind of like, okay, when the season's over, we take a couple of days too. Like I do of, you know, I need a couple, I'm going to watch other playoff games and kind of just turn my brain off for a, a minute. And I kind of tap back in and it's like, oh, Mike Brown's in Greece with like Matina. And I think Jay Triano was there too. They're there like four days after they got eliminated watching Sasha in the EuroLeague final. And it, it just was like a carousel. Then Jordy Fernandez went and I think watched the playoff. Every, I think every member of, of a large portion of the Kings front office went to watch him play and they courted him. And it's hard for me to believe that after paying him the money he has and after, you know, all that went into getting him over here, he's just going to be like a, I don't know, out of the completely out of the rotation. Like Davis Burton's got like taken out of the rotation last year. I think right. in, in his multiple, like what was it Dallas and was it Washington? Were those the two he was in last year? Or Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, and I hate to, or I hate to, to, compare Sasha to Davis Bertans. He hopefully well, is better. Those are like, you know, for every Bielitsa and Miritich, there's uh Bertans and he may not be a great, like he, he had good moments for sure. Yeah. With San Antonio. There's a reason he got paid, but there's a um, career, a Nicolo Melli, Nicoli mm, Melli or wow. something like that, you know? Um, so you'll see, but it's going to be a process. Like this is a guy that this is his fourth team that he's been on. He's played professional basketball for, 12, 13 years. I think he since he was 16. Yeah. He's been playing professional basketball. Yeah. Like it, the little stuff of, you know, he's, he had two turnovers yesterday. One was because he just, I think moved his pivot before he put the ball down. So he traveled and then a different one, he put his foot back and stepped out of bounds on the baseline, kind of near the corner three. It's like little stuff like that. He's, he's going to be fine. He's going to get adjusted. Um, I think he's actually a pretty good rebounder. Last night he had six rebounds. Yeah, the in shot his seventeen minutes. The offense wasn't really there last night, but it was good mm-hmm. to see he could bring some kind of. If he if the offense isn't there, can he bring something else? And that was a good uh, example of it. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see for sure. Um, is there any other standout things that you want to get to? Um, no, man. I mean, I think we've kind of hit the big storylines here. Um, 
it's preseason. I'm 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 at the point where I'm kind of just done with preseason. I think preseasons are for every sport, and I'm not a sports doctor. I I mean I understand that there's a reason why players and and professional athletes have to ramp up, but as a spectator, I'm just ready to see these games matter. Um, Same. I guess I I mean before we go, maybe it's like a parting question. Do you feel is confident? Like I guess going into the summer, I mean, I'm not sure what you felt. I felt confident. Like this Kings team is going to be good next year and for years to come. Is that feeling still res? Like, do you still feel that this team is going to be in the playoff mix? I mean, obviously there's been all these preseason, like, and I'm sure maybe we'll do like an episode about maybe laying out some, who do you, where do you have in the West or who do you have who, but like people are doing like tiers and whatnot. I've been seeing like a bunch of mixed results. I think some people have had the Kings out of the top 10. Some have had them as like a championship contender. Where do you kind of have this team right now as far as a temperature check is like this team's ceiling and potential? Yeah, I mean, I think ceiling is seating wise, probably what you saw last year. It's probably a two, three, you know, I don't think 48 home wins court. typically gets you. Yeah, right. I, I don't think 48 wins like typically gets you a three seed, you know, you could and you also could lose more games and be a better team, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that most of the conversation this year is going to be just stay out of the play in if you can you know looks I think like they're going to be right miserable. around that six seven spot yeah and pre like single elimination basketball especially i will say if you're a team that can't play defense it's pretty dangerous and if you play against someone like again minnesota kings had a very mm-hmm. tough time with minnesota i mean they that's did. a team i kind of seen the same like, in that tier again i i think they could be good but i would not be surprised if they were a, a playing team again you don't want to play against teams that are you know that give you problems for and again as a guy that's watched a lot of wild card baseball when it was a single game elimination the yankees like weren't three times it is the it is horrible it is and in football players the same thing for you niners mm-hmm. it's it's horrible that your whole season can come down to one game to 48 minutes so the kings being in a position to be out of that would be you know it's got to be the the goal going into last year was make the play in that goal is not the same thing anymore like that's no. that's not a thing no. they they had a taste of home court and and what that is like they they can't go back but even if um, it was like utah dude like there were two game winners against utah last year meaning very close games yeah you know um the west is just going to be a battle every single night i do worry i i shouldn't say i worry because the offense is going to be fine right but this adjusting to a little bit of new wrinkles has been more of an adjustment than I expected. Mm-hmm. And again, preseason, right? Cause I thought the starters looked great. And, and for the most part, the starters, you know, typically talking Kevin instead of Chris, but even when it was Chris, I think the starters have looked just like themselves. Right. Yeah. And those bench units, like I, I keep having to remind myself, coach confirmed this again during these preseason availabilities that like, you're still going to see one of Fox or Domas on the floor at all times. And so any of these lineups that look a little clunky, they're over dribbling or can't really get into an offensive rhythm. I try to remind myself like, okay, what if this was Domas out there with the rest of these guys, you know, or De'Aaron out there to kind of take over when need be. So I've been a little surprised at the offensive adjustment that's needed, but I think it has more to do with the rotations than the actual like new implemented schemes. Yeah. I mean, are there a lot of returning players? Yeah, but the new guys that are there, you kind of do have to learn how to play with them and how that fits. I mean, they do have a true shot blocking center off that can come off the bench now. Um, is he, 
you know, an elite shot. But I don't know. I guess I should should be take that word lightly. I don't think that JaVale McGee is going to be like a prime Rudy Gobert, but there's a guy that's a different play style. You have to incorporate these guys, Chris Duarte, Sasha, a guy that is probably not going to be a plus on the defensive end. Um, so that changes things. Uh, but no, I think the starters look good. Uh, Malik Monk, I think, pointed out the other day how he wants the bench unit to be, you know, just better, I guess, overall. And because they were horrible in the first game, a little better against LA. And then yesterday was kind of a mixed bag. Um, yeah. The offense just completely fell. The, the floor just fell out, like the bottom fell out. The, they didn't make a three for a quarter and a half uh, after being eight of 12 in the first. So, yeah, these are the growing pains of preseason. And, uh, you know, we got two more. We got Golden State will be there Wednesday night. And then it all ends. Not it all ends. That's dark. It the preseason <laughs> ends Thursday against Utah. it all begins. It all begins. But we're we're almost there. But I've been talking to a lot of like my, my friends that are watching preseason, even my family last night. They're like, Well, my, my mom last night didn't she's like this game doesn't matter, so it doesn't mean anything. No, technically. This, it, yeah. it, they all matter, but this this will not be reflective of their, their record. No. It's really tough when I try to put on preseason basketball games around people that don't aren't basketball nerds um, <laughs> and then explain yet yeah, that it does not matter at but all. I love it, though. I, I appreciate like how much you are a basketball just lifer. And because you, you asked the other night to go, uh, I think you wanted to go get some food or a drink or something to watch. Watch. I can't remember what game there's preseason game was on. That. There's something else going on. Too. There's like a football game on her. I think it was was it Sunday night football or was um yeah I think it was and I, I was like was football on I was something. like God I was like God bless him like my everyone's pitch was watching, preseason though yeah <laughs> yeah like everyone's watching the football he's like let's go watch preseason basketball I'm like this this guy I love it but well I, I'm know. happy to, I'm happy to do that with you I'm, I'm, I would love to watch because I learned I learned from you man because again I'm you see things different I think than other people so I I would love to watch preseason basketball with you you know what? I'll watch preseason basketball with you on Wednesday in San Francisco How about absolutely that? absolutely. And yeah, we we look at things differently and that leads to a lot of different content, which I think has populated our site pretty well. Sports. We're a team now. We're a team now, everybody. Teammates. Great. We're teammates. We are. We're a a backcourt, right? We're We're a backcourt. One, two. Yeah. You played guard in high school, didn't you? Yeah. 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 In the minutes I played, I played guard. That's right. What was the, the assist average again? Ah, uh, I don't know. It was not. It was not <laughs> accurate. But the points per game was. It's in the ones. Oh, that's right. It's, it's in the ones. But you know, yeah. peep me on Max Preps, you guys. I was a oh yeah, very, very high recruited player. Oh, very, very sought after. Is it simple to uh, live look up if you can find Keegan's baseball stats? Dude, honestly, I looked him up yesterday. I tried looking them up yesterday, and they're not. They're nowhere to be found. I found okay. his basketball. And I'm, I'm wondering what I just maybe he played travel ball. Like maybe I don't know. Or maybe he didn't even play high school baseball. And he just like like playing baseball. I'd like to get a little deeper into that. Yeah. Like for listeners, a, Keegan at Media Day kind of flex that he actually said he was better at baseball than basketball. I looked him up. I'm not even kidding. I was going to send him to like you and Chris. I looked him up when I, like a night or two ago. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, I looked, he went to two different high schools, which I wasn't aware of. He I'm transferred to Florida, I think, to like an academy, like one of those like uh, – not like mm-hmm. IMG, but something like that. It might have been IMG. I'm not sure. But it's like a basketball, like powerhouse program. But he, I could not find his baseball. But that might be like an on the side conversation. We can kind of be like, King, and like, who'd you, who'd you play for? Like, who'd you play baseball for? Yeah. We're gonna I don't know. Clarity. Travel league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'd like to know. I want to see, I want to know if he was an outfielder or first baseman. Cause he's a big dude. Like, he is a big guy, like playing baseball. There's not many guys that are six foot eight playing playing baseball. There's 
Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. That's pretty much it. So I'd like to know. Yeah, we're gonna get to the bottom of it. We are. This we're is the most have to figure this out. The more important thing is that we need to find out what Keegan Murray did with his, you know, if he was a pitcher, what was his ERA? That's that's the more important thing we should look at here. Agreed. Agreed. We'll do some investigative journalism. Um, instead of final thoughts, because those are overused, let's go yeah. with some closing comments for Angle. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Closing comments. Any closing comments, Mr. About, about anything or like... Yeah, I don't know if there's like a new Kid Rock song you've been listening Stop to. Stop it. Don't or... put that out there. That's the whole <laughs> don't like Kid Rock. I do not like Kid Rock. No, um, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just excited. It felt really good last night to be back at the uh the arena with everybody. It was kind of like like our first day of school feeling, I feel like was media day, but it's cool just to be around everyone, the fans, the the environment was really great. And I, I do think that's something that um you know, I don't, I don't want to overkill like, oh, my God, the Kings fan base is so great. But it is. It really is great. And in, in seeing that place completely sold, it was sold out for a preseason game, which is incredible, or near a sellout for a preseason game. Um, it gets the juices flowing. I'm excited to kind of have these things matter. And, uh, you know, that's that's pretty much it. I just kind of miss being around everybody. It's really good, really good to be back. I think the same. We've had multiple like first day of school feelings recently, I feel yeah. like. And yesterday was definitely one of them. And we still have the opener, which is going to be a whole other. That's first really going to be the one. The real first day of school. Right. Um, yeah. Yesterday, 17,884. It says sell out on our box score. I don't think that's capacity in the stadium, but I I, I heard um, that they sold like they gave all the tickets the way that tickets work. It's weird how sellouts work. Like they they sell the tickets right. away and like then I guess whoever has those tickets, either they give them away or they whatever have contractual obligations like you know we give tickets away to things so like the tickets that the kings had are gone but whether they're being used is a different conversation and uh it looked really full like we always talk about if you go to a king's game look at one of the upper corner sections that's near the drought 222? house 222 if there's even like a third of those stands that are full it's going to be a packed house because during the king's bad times uh we'd be at the games and there'd be like two fans up there. Like, maybe our, the local guy be up there taking his photos up there by yeah. himself. It, it was really, especially after the pandemic, it was like a combination of all of the above, right? Yeah, it was, it was, the attendance was brutal. That first year, I think you probably were coming in like mm-hmm. part time. That was 2021, 20, 22. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. a tough year for attendance. And until the Sabonis trade, it was really just a tough year overall. So it definitely was. It definitely was. We can't come, have a little trip down memory on. lane one day. We've come a long way. Yeah, yeah. You have what? We have. We, have. we, we definitely have. Um, um, but yeah, as far as this goes, again, just for those that are here still, the the podcast, we are going to start doing it more consistently. Um, Chris Watkins is going to be coming on. I think we're going to try to figure something out later this week or something that kind of fits his schedule. He is working 10 to 2 on the air. You can probably hear him. As we're recording this, he's on the air right now. Um, he's got a show. So we're going to try to make it work with him, but uh, we're really trying to keep Whitey and Watkins and Whitey alive. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course that's what that's yeah. We're doing what we can. We're doing what we can. Hence your, your name on the YouTube graphic. <laughs> right. But, but um, yeah, we're, we're excited to keep going here and hopefully we uh, get back on with Chris this week. But if not, it'll be Brendan and I again after the uh, preseason's over, but Absolutely. Um, excited to be working with you, Frank. Yeah, man. Welcome to the welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the show. Officially part of the club. Um, and again, 
anybody wants to check out the work, it is sacktownsports.com. Stuff all the time. Kings, Niners, uh, other football and baseball stuff, and plenty of other things as, as well from myself, Frank, Emil, and a handful of other people on the site as well. And definitely be sure to just subscribe to Return of the Roar podcast. As Frank said, we'll be doing this consistently throughout the course of the year so stay tuned there and again check out sacktownsports.com for some local coverage on these different teams so thanks to everybody for listening and we will talk to you guys a little later this week peace